TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Welcome in here on a Thursday afternoon. Okay. Every five years, I don't know if it's the USDA Department of Agriculture, has to update food guidelines. 2025 is the next time they have to do it. And one of the things they are considering now is giving us new warnings about foods that are ultra processed. Yeah, this is a fascinating one because we hear that term a lot now. Uh, I think a lot more over the last year than we ever have before. I mean, the idea of hearing about processed foods and how processed foods are not great for you and you really ought to stay away from that. And we kind of have a, a sort of a nebulous idea of what that is. But just over the last couple of years, this idea of ultra-processed foods has started to become the big villain. And they're pointing to it and saying, look, this is causing all kinds of health problems, obesity, not the least of them, and a lot of other things that can sort of stem from that. But things like heart disease and diabetes and all of the rest of it that go along with that, are it, it's all being laid at the feet of these ultra-processed foods. And as they point out in this article from ArsTechnica.com, they said the real problem is that ultra-processed really doesn't have a good hard and fast definition as to what that means. And I don't think, do, do you think the general public knows, I don't know the difference between processed and ultra-processed. You're not alone. That's exactly yeah. what they're saying is that, okay, great, you've given us a new term and there, there's actually a push now to start using warning labels on a lot of this stuff to tell people, hey, this fits the definition of ultra-processed. The problem with that is they're going to have to come up with one first. And I, I'm not a scientist to know what should qualify as ultra-processed, but from reading this article, it has a lot to do with semantics. Yes. Words that I don't know, words that I wouldn't be able to identify, what things are made of. I think we can look at a store shelf and know the difference between fresh and not fresh, but what's like the worst stuff that we can have? Great question. And what they talk about in this article is that part of the definition, and I'm, I'm going to just, I hate reading on the air, but I'm going to violate that rule so that I don't screw any of this up. This is one key point of, it, of contention is that there is no exact established definition of what counts as ultra processed. Generally, it's considered to include any industrially produced food product with artificial combinations of flavors and additives, such as artificial sweeteners, emulsifiers, synthetic colors. So what we're talking about is the difference between going and getting a whole grain bread or, or a good whole wheat bread versus getting Wonder Bread. 
that's going to have emulsifiers to make it a little softer and a little more puffy. And it's going to be bleached wheat flour instead of wheat flour that doesn't have chlorine all over it. You know, that sort of thing. Um, and, and when you start adding in things, do you remember when high fructose corn syrup was the big villain of the day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was the worst. Uh, and and again, they're saying it really is. It's as bad as advertised. Um, sweetening things with sugar still isn't great for you, but it's a lot better than using high fructose corn syrup. Okay, so in my head, I have three categories of what we eat. The purely fresh stuff that's yep. on the outside of the grocery store, right? That's why they put it there. This middle category that I feel like is the hardest thing for Americans to get a get a get a grip on, what you described is like bread, but good bread. I think we don't know what the good <laughs> version of stuff is. Yes. And the worst of things, which I think we know, because it's usually the cheapest stuff also. Oh, definitely. Which is part of the problem, too. And we're talking about candy and potato chips and chicken nuggets and boxed macaroni and cheese and frozen dinners and all of that. Because in order to make that stuff stay shelf stable... Uh, or freezer stable or whatever, in order for it to stay in a state where it still looks decent and still tastes okay, they jam it full of sweeteners and it's sugar and salt. That's mm -hmm. really what it is. It's just jamming that stuff. stuff. Right, exactly. And it tastes amazing. <laughs> but you think about how salty a lot of that stuff is. And, you know, when, when we were told going back a generation, you know, past uh, the high fructose corn syrup thing, when salt was the big villain and they said, watch your salt intake. The problem with that is that we took that to mean don't put salt on your vegetables. Don't sprinkle <laughs> right. salt on. No, no, no. There is so much salt in these processed and ultra processed foods that's hidden in there. And we're not talking about the, the tiny little bit of table salt that you sprinkle on your veggies. We're talking about 10 and 15 and 20 times that much salt that's inside stuff that where you never think it is. So here's a question I'll ask. Um, when you go to the grocery store, what do, you, what do you use to know the stuff that is healthy versus the unhealthy? Where it's not obvious, right? Like I, I want, I want the USDA to go to the peanut butter section and put a little star on the kinds of peanut butter that are better. I know the kinds of peanut butter that are awful for me, but tell me, is the organic stuff better? What are the words I should be looking for that, that tells me it's the healthier stuff? And that's kind of what they're trying to do with this. Um, and it's funny that I think shows a little bit of the confusion behind it because Organic is a separate category. Mm -hmm. So it's you're not necessarily better off with organic than you would be with a peanut butter that isn't. What you have to watch is look on the back of it, look at the serving size, and count how many grams of sugar there are in there. Because yeah. if they're using artificial sweeteners to make the peanut butter taste better, and lots of them do, then that's the kind of thing we're talking about with this being processed and ultra-processed. It's just adding stuff that shouldn't be there. So don't we already know then what the really, really ultra-processed stuff is. But do we? Because if I said Domino's Pizza, you know, you get a Domino's Pizza delivered, does that count as ultra-processed? I know it's really bad for me, so I would say yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like it's that simple. Is it that simple? It's the stuff that I inherently know is really bad for me. Not necessarily. Um, okay, so let's then back it up, because you're right. I mean, they do single out Domino's. I, I'm sure every other pizza chain is screaming, yeah, well, they're, you know, 
what makes them any worse or any better than we are. But things that we give our kids, like Lunchables. Okay, you got a cracker and you got a little piece of turkey and a little piece of, of cheese or pasteurized processed cheese food product. Does that count as ultra processed? And the answer is, yeah, it does. 913-586-7798. If you were to see a warning like this on the stuff that is ultra processed, will it make you not buy it? Do, do you need this warning? Because again, I'll come back to, this is the cheap stuff. And so yes. when it comes down, we just did a whole segment about you know inflation and spending more. Will you then spend more money on the stuff that is not ultra processed? Yeah, and, and if they don't, um, I, you know, going back to the, the, the kind of point of the article about them putting these warning labels on there in the first place, if they don't come up with a real, true, hard and fast definition of what processed and ultra processed look like and what qualifies you, then all you're going to get is you're going to get the industry itself, the food industry, is going to step up and start squealing about it and going, wait a minute. You can't single out our product when they over there don't have the warning label on them. And they, they've got stuff that's just as bad as what we've got. And if the federal government can't sort this out and come up with a definition, how the heck are we supposed to know? Yeah. What we should eat and what we shouldn't. Right. And it's somebody on the text line about the peanut butter thing said the best peanut butter for you is the one that only has peanuts in it. 100% yeah. accurate. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, I mean, we'll save this conversation for another day, but just because it's not ultra processed doesn't mean it's good for you either. I mean, there are plenty of things that are high in fat. Like people tell me avocados are really good for me. I can't stand them because I can't stand the texture. <laughs> They're really high in fat, but that's good fat, right? It's, but it's natural. It's not processed. And it, I think that's also a monounsaturate. Uh, if I'm wrong about that, again, hit me up. I'm, I'm not sure because I don't eat avocados much either. But yeah, uh, a lot of the, the fats that tend to show up in vegetables like that are monounsaturates, mm. which are the ones we're supposed to be eating. Those are the good ones for us. But all we hear is fat. And think, ooh, I can't have that. Bad news, right. Yeah. If it's you, confusing. Yeah, do you feel like you know? I mean, it, it, it's it's one thing to say, okay, do I have a general idea of what's good for us and what's bad for us? Yeah, I think most of us feel like we have that down. But when you look at, again, you read the nutritional information on some of this stuff and you see how much salt they pack into things that you know might taste a little salty, but you don't have any idea how much they're really just dissolving into that food, then that's stuff I think that would come as a surprise to a lot of us. Yeah. How do you know? We'll go to it and uh, bring in Kia, who's calling in from Overland Park. Hi, Kia. Hi. What's on your mind? So uh, there is, with that said, um, I was listening to you talking about how uh, you you know it's the bad stuff for you, um, actually, that's not entirely true. There are vegan and keto branded stuff that's non-GMO and have all of these, um, the stuff that is supposed to be there on the box. But when you turn it over and look at um, the label, um, so one rule of labeling on the first ingredients or the first ingredients you see have to be what the majority of the ingredients are. Yes. Yeah, they're so, listed in order. Yes. So when you look on the back of the box and the first thing is salt and sugar, but it's uh, like a dried fruit or vegetable, that's, yes, it's 
vegan, quote unquote, but you're not getting the nutrition that you think you are if you would have just went to the farmer's market and just picked up whatever um, vegetable or fruit. So yes. there are a lot of people, uh, particularly in the vegan market and plant-based, that buy all of this stuff and they think that they're eating well, but they're basically eating garbage. And it's just, I've been waiting for this forever, but I really think that's who the FDA is going after are these companies that position themselves as plant-based or keto or vegan, and they're serving trash, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, to that end, uh, again, going back to 25, 30 years, when everybody was counting fat grams, when that's what we were taught is, okay, fat's bad for you, so stay away from that. We were all counting fat grams. Well, all of a sudden, you started to see all these low-fat and fat-free products start Mm -hmm. to come out on the market. What did they do? They jammed them full of sugar so they would still taste good. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was low fat, but yeah, it wasn't any better for you. You're 100% accurate, Kia. Thank you. Thanks for getting in. I mean, frankly, pasta is vegan. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's good for you. You know, it just depends on what you care about. Exactly. And what matters the most to you out and, of that. And what they're adding into it. Um, yeah, even things, I mean, they're talking about food dyes and other things like that that will make things look better. But even some of the non-food products that are in food, like food colorings, aren't good for you. You shouldn't have that stuff in your body. All right, we got to get to a break. Jacob, everybody hang on the line. Get to more of your calls next on KMBZ. Department of Agriculture is considering a new warning to put on ultra-processed foods. The problem is they can't figure out exactly what that's going to mean. I don't know how we're supposed to know what it means. And so we were just talking about if you generally know when you go to a grocery store, what is healthy and what is not. And again, I still think it's that it's that middle ground that's difficult to figure out. I think we know what's really, really bad. We have a pretty good idea that like fruits and vegetables are better for us. It's the middle stuff that we have a hard time with. Yes, we we get lost in a lot of that. And will one more warning label, to your point earlier, scratch the surface and make you go, okay, there's that thing I need to stay away from. Jacob in Platte City is up next with us. Hey, Jacob. Hey, John. So I I, kind of like you guys said, I think, I think if you don't know what's good and bad, you probably hold the soldering iron by the wrong end. (laughs) Definitely. But um, as far as the warning label is concerned, I've smoked for many years. I don't even know how many. Every one of my cigarette packs has a big blaze of warning on them. Every gas station has a big sign warning blazes on them, dangerous cigarettes. We all know we still do it. Yeah, and that's I, – I, I don't know what to do about that. I mean, all we can do is give the information, right? If people don't if, – if we don't pay attention to it, that's on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Jacob, thanks. And I do. I wonder about that, Jamie. How much is another warning label going to scratch the surface here? Again, if we don't um, – I don't think it's going to tell us a lot we don't already know. Yeah. Um. And, and I don't, I don't know how to tell people to figure it out. Cause I'm struggling too. I, you know, and then you look at, like, I was looking the other day at bread. I don't buy bread very often, but I did. And my mom was here. I was like, well, do I get the high protein bread? Generally the way I look at it is if I'm getting less for my money, it must be better for me. Yeah. Well, yeah. Even, I mean, given what I'm going through right now with the, with the diet and everything else, uh, one of the things that I was advised to do is switch over breakfast to uh, like a protein shake 
Mm-hmm. Well, the problem with that, going back to the story we had yesterday about the woman who got the wrong kind of milk in her mm-hmm. uh, in in the in the in the latte or whatever it was, uh, and it almost killed her. With those protein drinks, most of the protein that's in there is milk protein. That's right. where that's where they get it from. Is they just you know because it's one of the easier things to do, and you don't have to ruin meat to do it. So it's it's a fairly simple thing. But if you can't handle dairy, then what do you do? And I mean, we don't have enough time to talk about protein powder here. Yeah, and the, and I'm sure Colin, you know about this too, about the various sources of protein that you can add to a shake. Like I do Greek yogurt every morning. I don't love yogurt, but I will do plain, non-fat Greek yogurt and then add stuff to it like oatmeal or blueberries or whatever. But then to up the protein content, they say add add some scoop of protein powder of some kind. Good luck sorting all that out. Yeah, because the protein powder also has to taste good and the protein right. shakes also have to taste good. And the fact is that when you take milk protein out of milk and just leave it on its own, it tastes horrible. So again, I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot of processing that goes into those things to make them taste at least palatable. It's confusing. We'll see what decision they come up with again. 2025 is when they are uh, are looking to do that. I want to talk for a second um, about the story that you found about cooking with booze, but in particular, <laughs> cooking with vodka. I'll be honest. I was I'm, I'm reading through the story and the science behind some of this, and I'm not smart enough to understand this. I love it so. because I first of all. I can't be the only person. I, for the longest time, I thought vodka sauce, which is what they're talking about in this in this article, I thought that was a nickname. I, I didn't know that there <laughs> no, was actually what it is. That there's really vodka in there. I thought it was just uh-huh. a mixture of tomato sauce and cream sauce, which it is. But you put vodka in there as well. I think they said it's like uh, for every gallon of sauce you make, it's about a quarter cup of vodka that you're supposed to use. That's kind of the split. I eyeball it when I do it. I don't know how much you're actually supposed to use, but when I do mine, I just eyeball it. The thing about vodka, though, is, and it was a valid question, um, vodka doesn't really have a flavor. I mean, you can taste the alcohol burn, but unlike other liquors, I mean, whiskey has a discernible flavor to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tequila has a discernible flavor to it. Vodka really doesn't. So it it all started with this question. Since Since you put the vodka in... And then it cooks off, so you don't even have alcohol in there anymore because that all boils off during the cooking process. And if vodka doesn't really have a flavor of its own, am I doing myself any good by adding vodka to the vodka sauce? Yeah, they ask the question, is it just a way to sell sauce? (laughs) To sell more vodka, yeah. Yeah. Um, So anybody else who's cooked it before, call in and let me know. I have made vodka cream sauce a lot. And for those who don't know, it's 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 onion, garlic, crushed tomatoes or, or diced tomatoes. Cook that down a little bit. Then you add vodka. And I think it's like a quarter cut. It's it's not a ton. Yeah, they're right. Let the alcohol burn off for a couple of minutes. And then you add cream at the end and fresh basil at the end. And it's done. And it's super easy. I feel like the vodka adds a spiciness to it or a kick to it that I wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, and here's what they found. Uh, they said essentially, let me let me try to make this as you know, as uncomplicated as possible, but here's what I got out of this. Is they found that that's exactly what it does. That but there's a limit. If you use too much, it can actually damage the flavor and mute the that. flavor yeah. of what you're cooking. Yeah. But if you use just a little bit, and they said, uh, and I was wrong, it's a, it's a quarter cup per quart, not a quarter cup per gallon, but it's still it's a very small amount. If you use that, what it does is it opens up 
the flavors of the other stuff that's in there. It it uh, somehow adds a kind of a brightness and a little bit of spice, like you said, because it's not really adding spice. It's making the spice that's already in there more effective. Right. And I like that. In that sauce, that does well with tomato and cream and offsetting some of that. That's a good. So I can't imagine not using the vodka. Yes. Well, and, and what they said was they also tried a couple of other different things outside of the vodka sauce to see if it had the same effect. And where it did was in foods like chili. Interesting. Same reason. Okay. Something that's relatively spicy, has a tomato content, doesn't, you know, it wouldn't, even if you had a little bit of that alcohol flavor left over, that it wouldn't clash with it. But it's, and and really what it's more about than adding flavor or opening up the flavors is it's it's the aroma. It's making the aroma molecules more effective. And, and there's more of that in the air because your sense of smell and your sense of taste are directly tied together. So if it smells better in the room, the food's going to taste better. It's the same reason why if you're baking, light a vanilla candle. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to your calls here. We uh, need to get to a break. John, hang on here. We'll get to your call next on KMBZ. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. If your day sounds like. We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through, you deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. So a lot of you are telling us the different ways that you cook with liquor. Wine, I've cooked with that. Whiskey, I've cooked with that. The difference with cooking with vodka is that on its own, generally, it doesn't have a tremendous flavor. I get it. They're expensive vodkas. I think we're about to hear hear about it on the phones here. But for the most part, the vodka that most of us buy doesn't have a lot of flavor. The argument's being made that you don't really need it in something like a vodka cream sauce because you're burning the alcohol off anyway. Yes, yeah, somebody mentioned uh, deglazing a pan, uh, you know, like a mushroom pan or something like that, using tequila. And I was like, wow, <laughs> I, never, mm-hmm. I never thought about that, but that sounds amazing. We'll go to it, and if you've got uh, some more ideas to kind of toss onto the fire here, then by all means, 913-586-7798. John is in Kansas City, and up next with us. Hi, John. Hey, guys, how are you? Hope you're doing good today. Absolutely. What's on your mind? (laughs) 
just a side note before I get to the vodka thing. Um, it's not vodka, but um, just as a side note, uh, Everclear is a great engine degreaser. <laughs> okay. All right. You got to make sure the engine's cold, by the way. Yes. Yes. Make sure it's cold, for sure. Um, so the thing, I've, uh, I've made the uh, traditional uh, Russian vodka sauce um, from scratch before, um, and it's it's so delicious. And um, the the thing with the vodka is – when you do the traditional version, um, you make your typical tomato red sauce, and then you add in what's called farmer's cheese. Um, you keep this at a low heat, and when you add that farmer's cheese in, that's when you add your vodka in. We all know that if you combine alcohol and dairy, it starts to curdle. So what it does is it essentially changes the flavor of the cheese as you mix into your red sauce, and then when you add heat, it evaporates the alcohol and then you're left with a different tasting farmer's cheese than what you initially put into it okay so that's why it, it actually it, it's kind of science it, it curdles and brings out a different flavor of the cheese is what you're basically essentially achieving with adding vodka into uh the the creamy vodka sauce Interesting, yeah, and they like I said, they also said that uh, it just it makes the spices kind of pop a little bit better. It does uh, anything um, you know with uh, cayenne or anything um, you know with with peppers in it. Um, obviously, the vodka, you know, the alcohol is going to increase that. Uh, you know, if you think about it. You, eating hot wings and then you take a shot of vodka how much more it burns (laughs) i've never tried but really i'll take it under advisement all right so so educate us about vodka what don't we know uh well uh it's you know mostly a potato based uh you know liquor um obviously there isn't a lot of flavor with it however you can get into some of the high-end liquors um of vodkas that you know are astronomically priced um they do have different flavors to them um they're distilled different um but essentially if you want my personal opinion it all tastes like rubbing alcohol to me i'd rather use whiskey (laughs) so somebody just texted and said vodka has a lot of flavor it tastes like turpentine (laughs) yeah that's pretty accurate that's pretty accurate so there's uh, there's my culinary tip for the day you guys have a good one thank you john appreciate it i mean there's a reason why vodka is what people drink when they're trying to lose weight or they don't want to gain a lot of calories because it doesn't taste, it tastes like whatever you put in it. Yeah. And so take vodka and add like a flavored calorie-free soda or something like that. Oh yeah. And it's palatable. Well, I mean, walk down the vodka aisle at the liquor store. How many different flavors of vodka are there? I mean, right. fruit loop flavor. Uh, th- that's a thing that exists. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, vanilla, strawberry, cherry, anything you can imagine. There's a vodka with that flavor in it. Yeah. All right. Thanks to everybody for getting here. I just want to talk for one second about a Wall Street Journal Journal article that I can't open because their paywall is very obnoxious. Oh, boy. I don't need to open it. I told you this this morning. I don't need to open the story to know exactly what it's about. The headline on this was, here's why you lose weight when you go on vacation to Europe. Okay. Despite eating more. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. I, maybe you can open the article. I couldn't do it. I, I could not, but uh, I, I know you have strong opinions on this. And and by the way, they and you are not the only ones to ever tell me this. I'll get to that in a second. I don't know if Europe is the only place that does this, um, but yes, you eat a lot more when you go to it. Well, depending on where you're going in Europe. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, when I went to Italy and I ate my way through Rome, I mean, quite literally pizza, then gelato, then pizza, then gelato, then pasta. I mean, that's how the day goes. Mm-hmm. You walk so much more 
there's something about vacation that makes people more willing to walk than we do at home. And you just, because you're exploring or whatever. And I assume that that's what they're talking about is the number of steps that you log in a place like Europe that is not as car reliant as we are. It's public transit. They walk everywhere more than we do. You just end up walking everywhere. Yeah. And even, I mean, you take a city like New York. Let's say you go on vacation to New York City. Well, okay. Yeah, New York is a very walkable city, and you'll find I mean, when you when you take a cab, and this is the thing, when you take a cab down Broadway, you see all kinds of people walking around. But when we go on vacation there, we don't walk. We take a cab, or we take the subway, or we do whatever. You're right. If you're in a place like Rome, you're walking. It was funny. My mom, I took my mom to New York uh, last year. She had never been, and so we were there in October of last year. And I had to warn her listen, like this is going to be a lot of walking. Like we need to plot our course here strategically because this is going to be a lot more walking than you're ever used to. And yeah. she was having lung trouble at the time. So we had to stop, you know, every so often she was game for it, but we Ubered some, you know, just to get around a little easier. Yeah. And, and the thing that I'll add to that, I think, uh, again, you, you go back to what we were just talking about with the ultra processed foods. I'm sure that when you were walking around Rome, and and eating in you know eating pasta you were eating pasta that was made out of crushed tomatoes that morning and fresh tomato sauce that was made yeah. in the kitchen in the back that morning and wine that was just done on site right there that didn't have a label on it it was just the house wine the the one conversation and again i have spent all of 3 days in europe in my entire life okay so i, I don't have that experience that you have but I had a fascinating conversation many, many years ago with, of all people, Doc Severinsen, who was the old <laughs> band leader on The Tonight Show. Uh -huh. um, wonderful guy, by the way. I mean, just an incredible font of knowledge. But he said the one place, and he was also very into working out. It's big, big into that. And he said the one place in the world where he had spent a significant amount of time where, in his words, and I'll never forget this, he said we could eat like trenchermen and still lose weight was Tuscany. And he said the reason why is not just it's I mean, you're eating all kinds of food, but the bulk that they use in the food over there is all beans. It's it's you really? know, it's garbanzos and it's black beans and it's I mean, everything you could okay. imagine. There's beans and everything. And he said it bulks the food up. So you feel like you're eating a ton of food, but it's all fiber. And it, it just it, it's actually really, really good for you that the Tuscan way of cooking is apparently, according to him, that was what you really want to do if you want to still eat and feel full and yet lose weight anyway. Interesting. I have never been to Tuscany and I did not know that about Tuscan cuisine either. Um, yeah. And I it's funny because usually on vacation you drink more, too. Yeah. You're, you're consuming a lot more calories usually and and recklessly and without care, you know, and you're not working out. But it, it must just be some of that activity oh definitely yeah i mean so, the more calories you're burning off sure yeah you're gonna lose weight when you do that i just thought it was interesting if you want to check out the wall street journal article uh you certainly can we'll take a break coming up we have to talk about this airplane uh they got ten thousand feet in the air before they realized there was a big problem on this plane get to that coming up on kmbz so we have an airbus a321 that was leaving stansted airport it's the smaller of the two big ones in london headed for orlando carrying three pilots, engineer, loadmaster, six cabin crew, and nine passengers, and was headed for Orlando for this six-day, uh, this multi-day charter. After takeoff, several passengers started to notice it was noisier than usual and colder than usual <laughs> on the plane. That's not a good and sign. Everybody wondered why. 
Uh, yeah, and it turns out there was a really good reason because eventually what they got was a notification from the aircraft's pressurization system that started throwing an error message because it seems like two of the windows in the airplane weren't there. Uh, the plane continued to climb to an altitude of 10,000 feet and the seatbelt signs were switched off. That's when the loadmaster walked to the back of the plane and noticed a significant increase in cabin noise, saying it was loud enough to damage your hearing. The loadmaster yeah. also noticed the window seal on a window on the left side of the plane was flapping in the airflow. So they decided to stop climbing and reduce the airspeed despite no abnormal indications on the flight deck all the stuff that's supposed to be there. Yeah, they got all the way up to 14,000 feet before they started to get that warning of, hey, there's a cabin pressure problem. You better not go up any higher. And they agreed that the aircraft should return to where it came from. It went back to Stansted. And the plane landed, as Jamie said, 36 minutes after taking off. Once parked, they discovered that two window assemblies, this is the inner and outer panes and the rubber seal, were missing just gone the only thing in place was the scratch pane which is that piece of plastic that prevents you from touching the outer window uh they said the inner pane and seal from the third window had also been displaced and they said thermal and window damage deform deformation were subsequently observed in the area around the outer wing emergency exit which doesn't sound great and it all stemmed from what they're saying now is that there was a there was some kind of process going on where they were using lights and and heat near the airplane that may have damaged the windows. You know, in the little planes that I have flown in, there's a checklist. It's lengthy that you have to walk around the plane and check before you before you even get in. Yep. I mean, before you even turn the key. There's a lengthy checklist of things. I don't know if windows are on it. But was that not something that in a little look-see walk around? Yeah. Was there no one outside the plane before this thing took off if that noticed? If that's not on that checklist, it really kind of needs to be. Yeah. The presence uh, of windows should be there. Because, I mean, from the inside, it didn't look any different. For, right. From the inside, because that, that scratch, scratch pane. There. Right, yeah. because that's there. But from the outside of the plane, it would have been obvious. If you just look down the plane, <laughs> you're going to notice, hey, are those two windows gone? And they said, yeah, it was just uh, elevated temperatures and uh, it, something to do with somebody was uh, I, I read a different version of this story earlier today than the one I have in front of me now that seemed to indicate that there was some kind of filming going on. And they yes. were they were looking at heat guns and things like that and saying, OK, or light guns, rather, that that may have been the the source of the uh, the added temperature that could have made those windows pop out. But that raises the question, why didn't they notice? Yeah, Um when did they fall out? Yeah. Like was nobody there when they came out and did no and if oh, not yeah. did nobody notice the glass on the ground? Well, that's true and that may indicate that they may have still been there. Like if the seals were compromised, then the windows might still have been there on takeoff. They may have popped out after the plane got to altitude, cooled off real quick and that's then yeah. you know the windows pop out. But either way, I mean, yeah. Does anybody think this is really noisy in here? Um, this is. We didn't leave a door open, did we? But yeah, terrifying. That could have been very, very bad. So I don't know enough about physics, but they're trying to figure out. It was the lights used in filming yep. that they think were the problem. I don't know. I, I I know nothing about the effect of heat on glass like that. 
But if that was it for five and a half hours, I mean, what if the sun's shining on the windows for a long time? Uh Uh-huh. Right. Which can happen. And if you're on a really hot runway, yeah, does it make a difference? Um, Is is the difference going to be that dramatic between the lights that they were using during this filming event and the, the amount of heat that just could come off of a runway in the middle of the day? Yeah. Yeah. So if it's ever noisy on a plane, have somebody go around and check the windows there. <laughs> All right. Then we go to Ocala, Florida to lighten things up here for a second. Uh, Florida woman just snorkeling over the weekend when she had some trouble in the water. Yeah. Uh, trouble in the personage of an alligator that bit her in the head. Forehead, which is worse to me than like if it was on the top or in the back, but like got her right in the middle of the forehead. Yeah. And she was just down there, and uh, there was somebody filming, and they said that it was clear from the filming that as as she and the guy that she was with were out in the water, you could see the alligator stalking them. She said, I ripped the mask off, because she was snorkeling. I ripped the mask off, and I turn and see two little eyes sticking out of the water. Uh Uh-huh saying the nine-foot alligator came out of nowhere. That's bad. Yeah. There, there are turtles that do that, too, that just stick their little eyes up above the water and mimic uh-huh. the alligators. But, but if you see that, I'm not going to sit there going, hey, do you think that's a turtle or is that really a gator? It's best to just vacate the scene. She said, I heard a rush of water. Or I'm sorry, this is the guy she was with, her friend Shane. Come back, Shane. He said, I just heard a rush of water and turned around to make sure she was okay. Saw the gator. I saw her head in its mouth. Okay. All right. (laughs) She said it all happened in a matter of seconds. It was so fast she didn't realize she was even bitten by the gator. But, yeah, I mean, photographs of her coming up out of the water. She's clearly bleeding. Yeah. Again, right in the middle of the forehead, right below the hairline. Yep is where he got her right there. I love this. This is my favorite line. Uh, According to the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, the bite report to Fox 35 said a trapper was able to find the nuisance alligator and remove it. It's a nuisance. You know, it's just kind of a, it's like a, it's like a a little buzzing mosquito or something. Uh, It's actually the second alligator incident to happen within the week. (laughs) I assume there. Yeah. 79 year old Uh, man was snorkeling and bumped into an alligator. That time the gator didn't bite it. And because of this, Alexander Springs, where all of this happened, was briefly closed, but has since reopened. So if you're looking to do a little snorkeling where the gators are, have at it. I joked, this is why I scuba dive. Yeah, where the sharks are. (laughs) I know. I've only seen a couple, though. (laughs) Like, And usually they're not coming up upon you fast. Yeah. Like, usually you can can kind of stay away. But at least you see them coming. Whereas snorkeling, she didn't see this guy coming. At least you know if a shark's coming, you see it. And I don't know. I mean, yeah, which one would I rather have to deal with in the water? I'm not sure there's a good answer to that question. You know, hippos, no. Gators, no. Crocodiles, no. Sharks, no, no, no. Keep them. Keep all that stuff. Which one moves the fastest? Sharks, Sharks, probably. uh, Sharks, I think. Yeah, they can go like 45 knots. Okay. That's what I don't want. I, I, I would worry about the one that that sees me as food- the most and moves the fastest and mm-hmm. i feel like alligators attack more yeah or we hear about it more um just biting yeah sharks kill people likely well yeah and and of all the shark species like of all the alligator species most of them will eat you of all the shark species most <laughs> yes. of them won't yeah. so i mean it's not just seeing a shark you have to see a man eater you have to see a hammerhead or a tiger shark or a great white or something along those lines mako 
No. I've seen a nurse shark, which they call kitten of the sea. Yep. They, I mean, they just sit on the bottom. I mean, it's still intimidating because it's obviously a shark. Yeah. And that still can mean something. But I saw a tiger shark once. Well, yeah, the good news about nurse sharks is they don't have teeth. So, oh, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah, they, they eat mollusks. So what they have is okay. a really hard cartilage on both on the upper and lower parts of their jaw. So they suck up a you know an oyster or something like that and just crush it. They don't need sharp teeth, so they don't have them. Well, in that case, I would have gotten closer to it. There it kind of go. freaked me out when I saw it. I would have gone and <laughs> done a little inspection there. All right, uh, we'll take a break here. Coming up in the next hour, what a security guard did with a gun that got him fired and a lot more to come here in the next hour on KMBZ. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 